it would seem that the powers that be above the Pentagon, above Congress, above the Senate, would not want this passed. So how is it actually going forward? Because there are enough members of Congress now to know there is definitely fire and smoke where we've been saying it is for 30 years. We're getting feedback that they realize the game is up on their 80 years of illegally keeping this stuff secret. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Michael Sandler, your host on Inspire Nation. If you've ever wondered if UFOs and UAPs are real and just what's going on with Congress, then do we have the Disclosure Project show for you. Today, I'll be talking with Dr. Stephen Greer, creator of numerous brilliant documentaries, including The Lost Century and founder of the Disclosure Project, which has made countless headlines over the past summer. And that's just what I want to talk with him about today about what's really going on with Disclosure today and what it means for you. So welcome back to the show, Stephen. Are you ready to shine? I'm always ready, baby. It doesn't seem appropriate, but I will still throw in a woohoo. Before we dive right into things, though, Stephen, what is going on with the Disclosure Project in Congress today? About a year and a half ago, I got asked to be the source of intel, uh, intelligence and data for people in the Intelligence Committee of the Senate and uh, others. And since that time, they've been able to have a number of whistleblowers that we've identified go through the SCIF, the Secure Compartmented Information Facility, the top secret facility. And uh, they passed uh, two significant uh, pieces of legislation. One was last December that uh, required that the Pentagon have an office to study this and that they allow whistleblowers to come forward uh, and speak, notwithstanding their non-disclosure agreements. The other, uh, which is past the Senate and is now pending right now as we speak, reconciliation in the House would be a provision that requires the military and industrial contractors like Northrop Grumman or Lockheed Skunk Works to turn over the extraterrestrial materials, the uh, man-made UFOs, the extraterrestrial bodies, etc., within a six-month period now from the time of passage. And this is a very big development, actually, because what that means is once that is signed into law, then it will be attached as part of the intelligence community funding bill, so it's unlikely to be vetoed by the president, then a six-month clock starts. It hasn't started yet. And at that point, uh, they will have to comply. If they do not, then they can be criminally prosecuted. So this is actually exerting the pressure. It needs to happen um, to get all this information properly disclosed to the constitutional government. Now, one thing I always point out to people, the fact that such a, a, a law would have to be passed proves what I've been saying for 30 years, that that entire enterprise, the organization keeping all this secret is, in fact, unconstitutional and therefore criminal. So uh, we now sort of blown the whistle on that. And the senior people in the Congress, both the House and the Senate, understand that's a big problem. So I've been meeting with members of Congress personally, uh, trying to advise them on what to do and what the next steps are that we need to do. But, you know, these are pretty big, big developments in a nine, 10 month period. Um, and we now have about 755 uh, whistleblowers in the Disclosure Project. So we're also asking, and uh, it's been uh, passed up the chain, that in the House of Representatives, 
Um, there are six members of Congress, three of whom I've met with personally, who um, are recommending a select committee to hold open hearings uh, on the issue with subpoena power. Now, the problem with subpoena power, the current committee where they had the hearing last month or in July, that little initial one, it didn't have subpoena power. So it was just people willing to come forward and share what they wanted. Under subpoena power, you have to comply. So, but the Speaker of the House has to approve uh, a committee with subpoena power. So that's something that is being worked on right now. And if that happens, that's a game changer. Thank you. Let's let's take each piece individually. And and, and I really go, want to go also behind the, the spin machine of what we're hearing versus what's really going on. Forgive me. Can you double back? You said that the president is going to be uh, potentially signing this piece. What exactly is this piece of legislation again? And what are the odds of it going through? It's an amendment to the funding bill for the intelligence community. And basically that requires that all these individuals and corporate contractors that have captured extraterrestrial vehicles have quote, exotic materials or advanced technologies such as man-made UFOs, which is about 70, 80% of the ones people see, uh, are turned over to the legal government of the United States, which does not now possess it uh, within a six-month period from its passage and signage. Um, so if they do not do, it's called safe harbor in the bill. Um, if they don't do it within six months and they can be criminally prosecuted. It seems like this is such a big uh, conspiracy is not the right word. It would seem that the powers that be that have the uh, <laughs> the financial resources that have been above the Pentagon, above Congress, above the Senate would not want this passed. So how is it actually going forward? Because it, it because there are enough members of Congress now that have received the information that we've collected and have interviewed the top secret witnesses and whistleblowers to know that there is definitely fire and smoke where we've been saying it is for 30 years. So they are no longer deceived. And this is very much, even when that came out of committee, it came out unanimously out of Senate Intelligence and Armed Services, which I mean, in Washington to have unanimity Never mind. I mean, just even bipartisanship <laughs> on anything is, is, is unheard of. So I, I think that that is why I'm saying these big corporations and big financial and uh, individuals, uh, players in this field, uh, they, they know the clock is being set on them and that the game is up. Literally, the top investigator for the Senate Intelligence Committee told me, absolutely, this is we're getting feedback that they realize the game is up on their 80 years of of illegally keeping this stuff secret. Now, here's the wrinkle. If you want to unpack this a little further, let's say they do that, clock runs out for six months, then what? Exactly. A law is of no value if no one's going to enforce it. So what I'm also working on with a group of people would be the enforcement part of it. Now, what I'm about to say is a little spooky. In fact, it's terrifying. But I've been asked to um, assist with a team of people who have the means Mm -hmm. upon authorization to basically take over all of these illegal black sites, corporate and military. Um, And but they can't do it without having actionable intelligence. 
So one of the things I'm putting out through your show and every other show I'm on is that we need more and more of these whistleblowers who know precisely where the materials are stored, where the man-made Raytheon, Northrop, Boeing, Lockheed devices are being built, um, where the ET bodies are located, where the underground base entrances are. So this is what we've been collecting for 30 years. We need more and more detailed information because I'm handing that off to both people with the Pentagon, White House, and the Congress. Um, and ultimately, that data is going to be needed in order for them to get any of this under control if there isn't voluntary compliance. And as you point out, these people are so powerful, wealthy, and arrogant. And one of the points I made very recently to a, a Congresswoman Luna, who's, who's heading up this effort in the House, along with Burchett and a couple others, and when I had a meeting with her a couple weeks ago down in St. Petersburg, Florida, I said, look, you're not going to get this stuff by knocking on the front door <laughs> and saying, pretty, please, will you show me what you have, right? Because if anyone who saw these hearings, I was watching it at a distance. Um, and I, cause I already knew all the people who were going to be there uh, and, and had spoken to two of the three of them in depth. And uh, I, I said, you know, when it came out that they had gone to Eglin Air Force Base wanting to get to this area dealing with UFOs there, but they didn't go to the right place. They didn't go with law enforcement. And I can assure you, if you're running an unsanctioned deep black project, that is not under supervision of the Congress or the White House. And, and even many of the senior people in the Pentagon that I briefed, they, by the way, they call themselves the have nots at the Pentagon that are denied access to this. Wow. I mean, even no matter how high ranking they are. Right. We'll get into this in a minute. This is how we can prove the illegal and unconstitutional nature of these programs here and in Canada and UK and Australia and elsewhere. So what I said was, you have to go in there with first detailed information on where to go. And then you go in with, I hate to say it, with enough uh, law enforcement force. If it has to be a SWAT team, it's a SWAT team. And you stand I was afraid you were going to say guns blazing. <laughs> no, no. I mean, what we have to do is message to the people who are your opsecs, right? Your, your operation security guys and the operation security guys, they all think they're just going, yes, sir, thinking mm -hmm. that they're in a program that's legally sanctioned. One of the things I'm trying to do by going on shows like the Navy SEAL show, Sean Ryan and other big shows is to say to folks, if you're listening, we can now prove and the Congress has all but said through implication that these programs are running without the oversight of the Congress, the People's House the Senate or the White House. And because of that, these programs are illegal. So if law enforcement were to come on behalf of the legal government of the United States, you are to say, yes, sir, put your guns down and let them in. Because the way it works right now is uh, we, what we want is like the orange revolution in Eastern Europe, right? Where it was not violent, but there was enough uh, changing of the minds and the hearts so that this could be unwound with the least disruption possible. That's our goal. However, we can't control the other side's behavior. We can pray, we can meditate, we can educate, we can illuminate, we can advise, 
which I'm doing to people in that part of the system now. I mean, soon I'm going to be going to a black site and meeting with one of the, the top directors of it, which nobody will know why it came and when. I do this kind of stuff and say, look, you need to get in compliance and move this stuff over properly, because if not, you don't want to go to a kinetic solution, kinetic meaning guns blazing. So the other problem with it, of course, is and let me tell you a little story. It's apocryphal, but it illustrates the crisis. So 26 years ago, I was at the Pentagon briefing Admiral Tom Wilson, who is the head of intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff, meaning he was the main guy who provided the intelligence briefings for the Joint Chiefs of Staff for the whole Pentagon. And I had given him information documents, which had not been declassified that I possess. Um, that enabled him to get in and discover one of these highly compartmented, illegally run operations. Although at the time, he didn't know it was illegally run. And he contacted him and said, hi, this is Admiral Wilson. I'm Bob J2, the term J2 is head of intelligence, Joint Chiefs of Staff. And they said, yes, sir, we know who you are. He said, well, I want to be read into or briefed on this program. And they said, sir, you don't have a need to know. We cannot discuss that with you. And he said, and I quote, God damn it, I'm the head of intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff. How is it I don't have a need to know? And they said, sir, we cannot discuss this with you and blocked it, blocking. He subsequently got threatened and was threatened with also being demoted, taking a star off his lapel, which is a big deal because in retirement, you lose a lot of your retirement income as an admiral or a general. So... He what he said at the end of the meeting, which was a two or three hour stand up briefing I did at the Pentagon in his office. And actually, astronaut Edgar Mitchell was there. He came as a guest of mine. And, but what he said was, and I said, look, we really need your help to fix this problem. Now, this remember, this is 26 years ago in April of 97. And he said, well, I don't know what I can do because the best thing I have is a B2 stealth and this other organization. I now know, he says, I now know, have craft, aircraft and spacecraft that are man-made that can do circles around my B-2 stealth and I'm outgunned. And I said, well, no, there are other ways around that. He says, look, I, ha I have no authority to do anything. But now, 26 years later, the Congress has given that authority. You see, the Congress, the, here was the problem for a long time. There weren't enough people in Congress who understood the problem. And the president is what we call the unitary or chief executive. And it's very easy to intimidate or buy off or bribe or whatever one man, right? It's harder to do it with 535 people, right? So that's how this has been such a laborious project process for us over 30 years. Because I first briefed the director of the CIA and 1993. So it is 30 years of toiling in this crazy vineyard. But now things are beginning to come to fruition, but there's still a lot of things that could go wrong, right? One of the things that could go wrong is that this illegal organization could start launching attacks on the planet made to look alien. And I always tell people, well, that began in the late 1950s. 
<laughs> you ever heard of abductions and mutilations? Guess what? Those aren't being done by aliens. Those are being done by guys that I have debriefed who run man-made UFOs with these weird looking creatures on them. Uh, in the early days, they used people um, made up to look like an alien, like a Hollywood set. Uh, down the road, they had robotic, uh, gray looking and other looking aliens. And I've seen them. I mean, there's no question that that capability exists. But the general public, as well as most members of Congress, don't know what I'm just telling you now. Mm -hmm. They don't think that could be possible. So there's this big risk that, you know, as this begins to roll out and they start passing laws and enforcement capability begins to get stood up, that could actually make the law have teeth that they could start pushing buttons and pulling levers. So I can tell everyone time is not on our side. The truth is on our side, but we need to move quickly. And this is why I'm asking everyone listening to write to their, first of all, you should get on our website. We have a service that we're paying, I think 11 or $12,000 a year for, where you can mm -hmm. connect to it and write to your two senators, the White House, key people in the government and your member of Congress. And usually it's very hard to do that very easily, but you can write them and say, please get all the information from the Disclosure Project Archive, Intelligence Archive, and move forward quickly with the passage of these bills and include two new things. Here are the two things people need to write down. Yeah. They need to... They need to make sure this amnesty provision bill goes through in the next couple of weeks. But then we also need protection for the whistleblowers. We need federal witness protection, which they do not have. And we need explicit protection from seizure of their pensions or their private assets. Because the, the non-disclosure agreements they signed, I'm dealing with this problem every day with my whistleblowers, said that if you disclose this, to anyone not in this program, meaning this SAP, Special Access Project, unacknowledged Special Access Project, you will lose your pension, you can go to prison, you can have this, that, and the other thing. And of course, it's implied will also kill you, So, um, which has happened many times. So the Congress needs to quickly put those enshrined in law to protect these heroic people coming forward. And they are heroic, I can tell you right now. And then they need to also fund um, a law enforcement capability. This is the third thing. Because, again, if you pass a law and it's an organization that doesn't care about the law, they break the law every day by virtue of their very existence. What do they care unless you have some teeth to it? Uh, and this is something a lot of people don't want to hear or entertain. But I said, this is like, here's the analogy. When I heard that these, I had known they were going to do this. When you have members of Congress going down to Eglin Air Force Base, knocking on the front door, saying, pretty please, can we see inside this illegal operation you're running here, right? Well, of course, they're not going to be shown anything uh, any more than the admiral. I mean, if, if, if the men that I briefed to are admirals and generals have been denied access, and the president was denied access multiple times, the ones that I've dealt with. What makes anyone think that they're just going to fling the doors open for a member of Congress? They're not. So uh, the, the analogy is, let's say you run a mafia, a criminal organization in, in Manhattan, and mm -hmm. the storefront is a pizza parlor, right? 
So it's a pizza parlor. But in the back room, they're selling drugs and laundering money and renting out prostitutes, whatever it is the mafia does. Um, well, you're not going to knock on the front door and say, pretty please, can I see the back room here where you're shipping the drugs and la- money laundering and have counterfeit money presses? You know, they're not going to show you that. And I, I, I say it this bluntly to people. And I say, you need to understand what you're dealing with here. These are not people who give a rat's ass about any law you pass unless you're willing to enforce it. If you're willing to enforce it, then you have to go the distance on that. And you can't bluff. And if I think if we can do enough of these strategies, there are enough people who are already dispirited in this illegal organization that I think we'll see larger numbers of people defecting and the thing get resolved peacefully, which is the goal. The other part of it, and we need help with this, anyone listening who's a very experienced trial attorney, we have started the um, Disclosure Project Legal Fund. And we now have 150 legal professionals, uh, many of them lawyers, who are going to start. I'm meeting with them in about two and a half weeks uh, to organize civilian not government, but civilian-based uh, lawsuits against these corporations using RICO, the Racketeering Influence Corrupt Organization Act, because there is a provision for the RICO Act, which was created for the mafia, to take on the mafia and organize crime, um, to, to be used by a civilian group. And we now have some really excellent litigators and investigators, prosecutors, who absolutely are willing to do this for us. So um, we're going to be meeting. We're looking for more people who are experienced, preferably people who are entered into federal courts in the United States. We're not now look. We're not yet going to operate in Canada, but um, or UK. Although we have attorneys in those countries that we're talking to. Um, most of the the evidence we have that's actionable that could be submitted in a in a court briefing uh, is based on U.S events anyway, and facilities and black sites and organizations and people, individuals. So that's something that we're going to do this fall, starting September, October. And we need more help with people doing that. And we also have a um, uh, a legal fund set up to do that because that's going to become now all the attorneys are working pro bono. They're, they're donating their time, but there are going to be a lot of expenses with that. And the reason we're doing that is that if the government comes at it with this one bill, then you have to comply in six months. There's a private organization that has 100, 200 attorneys with a deep bench of experience and investigators combined with our uh, evidence, all the whistleblower testimony, all the documents, everything we have. That creates another pressure point for them to comply. Because and if if the Congress drops the ball on this, If we can get this entered into a court legally where the uh, the judge certifies it, then we can go to subpoenas. And there's your disclosure, subpoenas, depositions, testimony in open court. Um, Right. Um, So that's another pathway in case the uh, Congress drops the ball. So I'm trying to organize these multiple strategies, uh, law enforcement, disclosure witnesses coming forward, the legal, private, civilian legal approach, and then what's going on with Congress and the White House. So that's 
those are all the circuses we're running right now in addition to the CE5 program. But um, but I, I'm, what, what I think is that we're at a point now where it really is uh, a turning point. It's either going to go or no go. I think I think this is all going to be coming out and be disclosed. Even the even the, the, the you know Senator Schumer, who's the majority leader of the Senate, is bowing now to get to the bottom of this. And um, I hope to be meeting with him soon. And and it, so you, there's a lot of very senior people in the U.S. government now who know that this is something important and real. The, the, the way to get them to do it, though, remember, we're, we're supposed to be living in a democracy. People need to weigh in. You need to open your computer, go to our site, seriousdisclosure.com, look for the link to, to how to contact your representatives and do it. And if you're in Canada, write to your member of parliament and, and to Mr. Trudeau, because they have the same problem up there. In Canada, trust me, and the United Kingdom and Australia and in most uh, advanced countries. So, you know, people should start lighting up their uh, activism here because the way you make this a peaceful transfer is that you create enough public pressure, media pressure, uh, legal pressure that the organization decides to uh, tilt in the direction of disclosing honestly and not doing all these dirty tricks. Um, the big risk is that they decide, screw it, we're going to go to the end of our algorithm and start World War III, you know, which they fully have the capability of doing, frankly. Um, and worse, actually, far worse. What, what's worse? Most, oh, much worse. Well, I'll give you one example. I have a knock that I'm working with, a non-official cover guy who's very high up in that organization. He's in covert. And he knew specifically of an event a few years ago. Um, it's well within the last 20 years where this illegal organization used the technology to move a, an asteroid coming from the direction of the sun onto a path and steer it using these advanced electrogravitic anti-gravity technologies. So it would skim over the Atlantic Ocean, causing massive tidal waves and tsunamis, wow. and then skim over the Pacific Ocean, causing bigger ones, but not impact. But that would, of course, kill tens of millions of people or more. And they have the technologies to do it. Now, if I'm scaring people, good. People need to realize how dangerous this organization is, what their plans are, and why they have to be stopped by all means necessary. You know? um, and if it takes law enforcement to make it happen, then fine. I mean, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't let somebody with a semi-automatic rifle target hundreds of people at a concert and just slaughter them and not have someone take that person down. I mean, this organization is far worse than a mass murderer like that. I, I would say it's potential, not only what it's already done to the planet by destroying the biosphere and keeping half the planet in poverty by keeping these technologies that are free energy from the world, but the other things that they are doing and can do would make Hitler, Stalin, Pol Pot, all of them look like choir boys by comparison. Can you explain a, a little bit? Because I'm, I think people have a hard time connecting the dots. People, I've watched all the, the press behind this and the press always says, if there is such a concerted effort, heck, Congress can't even hide a blah, blah, blah. 
how is this even possible? So can you connect the dots of what they're capable of? Well, see, the media, because it's corrupt also, um, the biggest, I would say the most culpable corrupt enterprise in the world that's mm-hmm. kept this secret is the media, by far, way more than any covert CIA program, because they have been completely infiltrated and corrupted by these false narratives. I deal with it all the time. I was just on a Saudi TV thing where I was, you know, uh, trying to debate Seth Shostak, the, the founder of the SETI project, and he just threw out one red herring like you just brought up after another. But the truth of the matter is, is that people who say, you know, the, the government can't keep something like this secret, I would say, yeah, you're right, because it's being run by a parallel secret government. And this is exactly what Senator Inouye said in 1986, I believe, mm-hmm. when he said there's a secret government with its own Air Force, its own Navy, its own funding mechanism that's above the law and free from the law itself, completely unconstitutional. Our attorney, who we just started uh, working with this full time, September 1st, Derek Garcia, spoke to, as an intern up on Capitol Hill, spoke to Senator Inouye. And Inouye repeated that and said yes, and then particularly on the UFO issue, because he had watched the first disclosure project event in 2001 and said every single thing that was said there was true. Everything. But as a senior ranking member of the Senate, he was denied access and control. Multiple presidents I've, presidents I've dealt with have been denied access and control. So the, when the media says that, they're leaving out one key fact. And that is the government of we the people doesn't know where the washroom is uh, in one of these secret underground bases. They never yeah. mind about their very existence and what's in there. So this is where a non-governmental organization like ourselves that have meticulously collected this sort of intelligence for 33 years is useful, you know, even though I have no official standing whatsoever, nor do I want any. Um, I, w- I won't accept even a clearance, even though I can be in a skip and share information. I never put a shackle on myself. I'm staying keep completely uncorruptible and free. But the media come up, come up and also the scientific debunkers will say, well, if this were true, Everyone would know about it, right? I'm going, yeah. Do you realize that? Check, fact check this. It was an article decades ago in the Washington Post. The super secret spy satellite agency called the National Reconnaissance Office, NRO, they built $180 million headquarters. It'd probably be a billion now. Before the White House or the Congress knew that the money was in place to build it or that they had broken ground. It was built, finished, operational. And no one in the U.S. government, not a single member of Congress or White House knew about it. So if people just have no idea how this system runs uh, and there's sort of this naivete that, you know, uh, you know, God is in his heaven and all is right with the world, when in reality, this illegal secret government is has been around since the 50s and has gotten more and more power. And that's not only true in the United States, but in other developed countries as well. So I think that those questions betray a basic understanding of how very compartmented secret programs work, how black projects work, and then how the deep black works. So let's talk about that. Yeah. I'm working with guys right now in Washington, where I am today, who manage the black budget of the United States. And that's a very handful of people read into that. They've been denied access to these UFO projects and extraterrestrial projects. 
And that's how we know that these projects are beyond black. They're deep black. They're illegal black. Can you back up for a sec? Yeah. What exactly is the, the black budget? And I was watching with your press club event months ago, and we had um, we had on somebody who was showing the different code names coming up for for different things. And then the money is blacked out. So, yeah, these are code word or numbered uh, projects. The legal black budget, the uh, White House and a handful, a few people of Congress are read into it and briefed on it. Not the whole Congress. And everyone knows that those are very secret projects and what have you. The projects I'm talking about are beyond that level. Okay, so they're deep black instead of just black. So the the black budget, there there are different estimates for it. It's certainly in the tens to hundreds of billions of dollars. But these other projects... They're not even the gang of eight, as they call them in the Congress and the White House people, they're not read into those. Uh, and so there's no authorization for their funding that's legal. It's all embezzled money um, and other creative means of getting money, you know, human trafficking, drug trade, et cetera. So uh, that organization uh, is so uh, deep black that they, they, I mean, you know, like, well, I'll give you an example. About a year and a half ago, the reason I got called into health here is that the main investigator uh, on this for the Senate, who also oversees the three letter agencies and the black budget, went out to the Lockheed Skunk Works and was shown a bunch of antique aircraft jets. And he knew that he was being deceived. He was a very smart guy. I mean, if he were, if he were still in the Pentagon, he'd be a two or three star general. But he told me, he said, I know that I wasn't shown what was there. I said, no, you're not going to be. And this was the chief guy on behalf of the most, you know, secret, you know, uh, top secret briefings that are done at Senate Intelligence and Armed Services level, this U.S. Senate guy, their main guy, and he was denied access. So I think the media, and the general public who can't believe this is true is because they're not educated and how the system works and how once you have that level of extreme secrecy, which is exactly what Eisenhower warned about and Kennedy yeah. warned about. Once you have that level of extreme secrecy, it can become a, a black shell game where it's just hidden and things get way out of control. And that's what happened. I mean, Eisenhower, to give people a date between 1956 and 1960 just completely lost control of these programs. And by the time Kennedy came in, his the chief steward on Air Force One, who I have a, 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 a tape interview with, audio, when they were flying to Berlin uh, to give the I am a Berliner speech that Kennedy gave um, because of the Berlin Wall, he told the chief steward, Kennedy, the president, said, brought this issue up and said, the whole matter is out of my hands and I don't know why. He knew of it, but he had no control over it. And that was in 1962, one or two, um, before he died in 63. Maybe it was in the summer of 63. Anyway, in that early 60s. And Eisenhower, when he gave his famous speech, beware the military industrial complex because it'll be a threat to our, our democracy and excessive secrecy can undermine our freedoms. Now, that was in 19, uh, 
uh, 61 as he was leaving office. That was his farewell address. And no one understood why a five-star, we don't have them anymore, five-star general and hero of World War II and a Republican. I mean, it's not like that. Everyone thinks that kind of statement came from Abby Hoffman or some hippie in the 60s. No, it was a five-star conservative general. So this has been a problem for a very long time, and it's and, and it's hidden in plain sight. But people need to connect these dots. Now, here's another dot. Yeah. Uh, the, the the very one of the very first CIA directors from 1947, when the CIA was formed after Roswell, uh, and that's why it was formed. Um, his name was Admiral Roscoe Kellenkeeter, and he in 1960 61 wrote a letter after Eisenhower made that speech to the New York Times, and he said the secrecy around the UFOs is a threat to the national security. So most people get it wrong. They'll say the UFOs are a threat to national security. I go, no, it's the secrecy around it and the man-made UFOs, not the extraterrestrial ones. So, you know, people think that the threat is from space. I said, no, the threat is from humans. And like all great threats, it always comes from inside your system, from within. And that's one of the real problems that people are not looking at. So the very first meetings I have with all these people in Congress and senior staffers dealing with intelligence and what have you and White House military people, I go, you're looking outward and there are problems out there, you know, whether it's, you know, Russia or China or Iran or whatever, wars, terrorism. But the big problem is right under your nose, right here. And um, I said, so you need to pay a little attention to that. Right. So that's but that is a big paradigm shift for people in government because they don't realize it's a problem. Now, a year and a half later, they do realize it's a problem and they're taking steps, I hope, to correct it. But I think, you know, I've heard from some of them and say, you know, this is so controversial. We've gotten ridiculed. They need to hear from their constituents, the people who vote. Right. So that's why I keep telling people it's time for people, if you give a rat's ass about freedom, democracy, uh, the environment, disclosure of all this information, peace, world peace, interstellar peace. Now's the time to speak up. Don't just sit around and yak about it, but do something. They need to hear from you guys. They really do. They've told me that. Thank you. You mentioned, and we're going to double back and double back and double back on that. You mentioned much earlier, you said, I think that you're going to be visiting a, uh, a black site program coming up or a, a black site coming up. And, and the question is both, what do you hope to achieve visiting? And secondly, the people who are running this, uh, are they, forgive the term, madmen on the loose or is there, or is there reasoning with people so that we can actually round this bend. No, there are a lot of very, very good people trapped in that system. Right. So you get pulled in. Let's let's say you're a young man or woman in your 20s and you get read into something like this. Next thing you know, you're moving up the, up the chain of command in it. But you think the whole time because you're not at the level where you're going in and doing briefings for Congress or the president or the senior people at the Pentagon, you're thinking this project you're in is totally copacetic legal. And it isn't. So the people, there are a number of those guys awakening to that now who want to help. And they're very good people. 
So the other thing that I tell people, you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You need to take each person as they are mm -hmm. see what their motivations are, uh, extend a hand to them. This is how you create peace instead of just everyone in their corners fighting. Um, and so that's what we're doing. And so um, now there's a risk of that. You know, I mean, it's a personal safety risk for me. But luckily, some of these guys like the last I don't know if you were at the premiere for the Lost Century in July, a couple months ago yeah. um, in L.A. But, um, you know, the if you saw how I was being moved around Los Angeles, it was in a huge armored vehicle that was you could throw a hand grenade at or take a machine gun to it, wouldn't penetrate it. It was provided by someone who is in that world who wants to protect us. And I, it was being driven by a former special forces guy who's part of that world. When he dropped me off from LAX to where I was staying, um, I mean, the thing was like we moved around in an armored vault. It was very funny. But it's like the beast, what the president has moved in. Yeah. And um, and he said, he just took my hand. He says, he said, thank you, sir, for what you're doing on behalf of those stuck, for those of us stuck on the other side. Wow. It was very emotional. And so they know there are so many good people who got stuck in that system that need to have an exit ramp, Right. So to all the people that, you know, I call them the moronic conspiracy theory people on the Internet, the UFO world, it, everything is much more nuanced and subtle. And this is why all these grand conspiracy theories and they're just always wrong because it, it, it eliminates nuance. But nuance requires intelligence, which our mm -hmm. society has completely been wrung out of. I hate to sound like that, but I mean, you know, people have just gotten so stupid. Um you know, it's unbelievable that people, you know, believe any kind of nonsense that they drag up on Reddit. But um, but the, the, the bigger issue is if this trend begins this way and then picks up speed, this whole transition can happen where the swords can be turned into plowshares. This is my vision, right? So and I had, you know, you may know this if you've read my book, um, Hidden Truths, Forbidden Knowledge. I had a dream back when I was a young boy or a young man. I was in my probably early 20s and I was going around the world, setting up meditation centers and stuff like that before I was a doctor. This has been the early mid 70s. Mm -hmm. And I had this lucid dream of being older and in the future. And we were out in the desert. It looked like white sands. But I don't know, maybe it wasn't. It was just a very deserty. And the entire US military and government was protecting an event that was being televised and seen by the whole world of an extraterrestrial vehicle descending in a blue sky with this very elder ET coming out in a, a, a official welcoming that was being supported by the U.S. government, the military, and seen by the world. And it was like it was it, it was so real. And people who know me know I met my wife in a lucid dream. I have these lucid dreams all the time of the future. And I thought, well, that's the outcome we want, not World War III. 
we want to to take these swords and turn them into plowshares where then the people who are do have the means to provide security, which is needed, and protection, protect CE5 contact. They protect dialogue with these civilizations. So instead of shooting these objects out of the sky with an electromagnetic pulse weapon, we're actually making contact with them and having dialogue and creating not just world peace, but universal peace. So that's the transformation that we're working for. That's what we're really working for. And But to do that, you can't just take everyone who's been stuck, as this special forces guy told me, in that other side uh, as your enemy, because most of them are not. They're just there because they ended up getting pulled in little by little by little. Next thing you know, they're in, instead of being 20, they're in their 40s or 50s. And, you know, they realize, well, damn, you know, I'm in the, I'm stuck in this, this situation and I, they want an exit ramp. So what we're doing with our own legal, the disclosure project legal funds and the Congress and the people, the friendly people in the Pentagon and, and special forces and the people in those deep black programs is to create a coalition for a transition where all this can come forward in a way that's peaceful. That's um, our objectives. Let's let's round the bend a little bit, going back to a disclosure from earlier this summer. Uh, a lot of people talk about uh, HARP. There's now talk about um, uh, Antarctica and, uh, <laughs> yes. good Lord, things being weaponized down there, um, and even the, the uh, earthquake in New Zealand. C- can you talk about any of this? Does it have any bearing, and is it important even to discuss? It's important to discuss just so people get an understanding, like I just mentioned about this tractor beam pulling an asteroid towards the Earth. But you do, do you know why that didn't hit? No, please tell me. I left out the punchline. An extraterrestrial vehicle intercepted it and moved it off course and saved us. That is the truth. And this deep black non-official cover guy knows this. So there are enough people in that system that know that there are a bunch of madmen who would like to see four, five, six billion people killed. But there are people who are in that system don't want to go there. So this is very dynamic. I mean, and unfortunately, I've landed right in the dead center of it between the the deep black world, the black world, the Congress, the Pentagon and everything. But which I had hoped I wouldn't be in this position. But um, it is what it is. I mean, at my age, you know, in for a dime and for a dollar. I just turned 68. So I go, well, I should be retired and sitting around with my 12 grandchildren, but here I am. But I honestly think that, you know, that this is why um, things like what, you know, Eric Hecker talked about with the neutrino light array at the South Pole. Exactly. A Raytheon system. Flip that on all those earthquakes in Christchurch. Yeah, those are scalar type systems. Uh, scalar meaning a type of electromagnetic pulse that's faster than the speed of light. Mm-hmm. Um, it may have been an inadvertent result, but they also know it could be used that way. Um, I have a guy who was a contract uh, agent, uh, private, mm-hmm. with one of these systems that was sent down over the subduction zone where the bad Indonesian earthquake and tsunami happened that killed a quarter of a million people. He was on the ship where they detonated not a kinetic bomb, but an electromagnetic scalar 
that caused that earthquake fault the subduct slip that caused that earthquake um absolutely that can be done um, um our military whistleblower who was the u2 spy plane pilot that you all saw colonel heckert not to be confused yep. with hecker he told me very directly that before they had those they had a, a nuclear bomb tipped torpedoes sitting on fault lines that they could detonate that would cause earthquakes to be set off uh putin has directly mentioned this and said that if the, the United States gets in his way too much, he'll inundate it with uh, tidal waves. So I think the public does need to know why. Because not to create fear, but to create motivation to act because everyone is too apathetic. They don't realize that having these sorts of organizations and technologies without the oversight of the people or the, even the people's representatives. I mean, I'm looking at the White House right here and the top of the Capitol Dome right there from my, yeah. my condo here in Washington. And I'm going, well, you know, if all those people don't know anything and the public doesn't know anything and therefore they're not taking action, I've always said power abhors a vacuum. So we've created our apathetic vacuum and in that vacuum has stepped some very bad actors. Um, and if you're going to fix the problem, you can't be passive. You have to be active, proactive, not violent, but proactive. And at a certain point, you have to be willing to engage law enforcement if, if in fact, all other approaches fail. Um, because what you can allow, I mean, imagine if somebody had stopped Adolf Hitler and his inner circle, you know, uh, before the Holocaust and World War II. It wouldn't have been 6 million lives saved. It would have been 20 to 30 million lives saved. So at a certain point, if you have this kind of knowledge, which I have and others that I'm sharing this with now have in the Congress and the Pentagon, you have a responsibility. You can't sit back and just go, oh, well, you know, screw it. Um, because I think that, you know, there's this old saying, there are the sins of omission, the things you do that, are, that you regret when you die. The bigger ones are the sins of omission. It's what you didn't do that you should have done. That when you review your life, I could have done this, I could have done this, and you didn't. So I'm saying this to everyone listening, you need to have a talk with yourself about what are you doing, you know, and what are you doing resolve these huge problems, whether it's peace on Earth and in space, contact with these civilizations that are peaceful, the CE5 contact effort, um, the disclosure effort, um, being involved in getting your, your representatives to listen and look at this material and take the time to get really deepened in it. Um, everyone needs to sort of take some responsibility, even if you have other interests, careers, and hobbies. I mean, I gave up my medical career as an emergency doctor to fix this problem. Um, and that means you're giving up half a million dollars a year and making nothing like we are. But, um, but you know, I, 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 it's never been about that for me. It's been about making change happen, avoiding the worst outcome and in replacing it with a beautiful outcome. And so this vision of a future where we have free energy this is why everyone should go look at the lost century and how to reclaim it. The subcaption is how to reclaim it. Yeah. So the lost century 
really unpacks a whole century of these wonderful technologies that have been ruthlessly suppressed and but also gives people a pathway of how to bring them out open source it bring it out and we also though need people who can fund um, a research lab to develop them are we any closer today well we're forming a corporate entity that can take in investment funds we have aligned to a few people who are who are interested in supporting it. Nobody's made that commitment because I I would not initiate an effort like that without having between fifty and a hundred million dollars. Simply because to do a, a proper high energy, high voltage physics lab, uh, and to do this properly, you, if you do it with less, you're probably going to fail. Um, so, you know, in a world where every week there's a unicorn billion dollar startup company being funded in Silicon Valley, I find it hard to believe that articulating this and putting the evidence we have in front of some people can't result in, um, some serious funding, but we'll see. I mean, so far there's discussions, but you know, what is that Jerry Maguire movie? Show me the money. I'll believe it. Um, <laughs> one of the problems is just be yeah. frank is that everyone's curious about this, but every, a lot of people are afraid to get involved. Um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and then the other part of it is our plan is in the first phase of, of this technology, open sources, no patents, no intellectual property holdback because we don't have time to play that game. And mm -hmm. that game will result in the technology being confiscated by the patent office. So you have to open source it very quickly. Uh, now, you know, after that happens, there'll be thousands of companies that'll take that basic platform, uh, you know, proof of principle device. It's now the plans are on the Internet and it works. It's not fake like most of them. And you're going to have dozens and dozens of companies bigger than Apple will sprout up because you have eight billion people living like they are in the 1800s. <laughs> and to make eight billion people. Uh, to allow them to have technologies, you know, you're talking 15 to 20 years. If almost all industrial capacity switched to free energy, zero point energy systems mm -hmm. tomorrow. And we barely have 20 years of the environmental problem. And, and the also Malthusian dilemma of 8 billion people, half of whom uh, don't have any means to, uh, live without cutting down rainforests and burning up shrubs in the desert to cook their food. That's 3 billion of the 8 billion people on earth literally don't have any way of cooking their food except burning things, cutting down shrubs and trees. So in a world like that, you really need a global, what I call it's like a global Marshall plan. Mm -hmm. You know, the Marshall plan is when we rebuilt Europe after world war II. And it was a huge effort, but we need a global one for poverty, anti-poverty and the environment and sustainability, but not using things that cost so much like solar panels and windmills and Tesla cars that have 900 pounds of lithium ion batteries in them that pollute like crazy and are being plugged in. And their energy is coming from a coal fired and gas fired power grid for 80 percent of that energy. So we have to come up with these high tech solutions if we're going to save uh, the, the future of humanity. And that's what the law century makes a very, I think, strong case for. Um, so I recommend everyone look at that and get everyone else to look at it and network two things. Here's another action call. 
yeah. you know how I am. It's all call to action. Help us find somebody who has a legitimate system. And I think I have people now who would be able to provide enough funding to them to basically get them to open source it with us. Um, now, I will say over 30 years, I've seen a few devices that seem legitimate, but they wouldn't open source them. They want to keep it secret and become the next Rockefeller of energy. And all of those people were killed or died or took it to their grave. Um, every one of them. The rest are all frauds. 90 plus percent of everything you hear about about this on the Internet are fraudulent devices um, that are there to separate the foolish from their money. And mm -hmm. uh, I personally was foolish enough to have lost about a million dollars, you know, on people who had very clever little tricks and schemes. And so now I'm seasoned about what to look for. Yeah. But um, you learn from your mistakes, my friends. So um, you better. Um, so because they're costly mistakes. And so the other part of it is to help us find people who can provide the funding. You know, I mean, there are, there are thousands of billionaires in the world and hundreds of thousands of people with hundreds of millions of dollars. We just need to find a few people um, who have enough resources to support this effort under sort of an angel funding initiative initially. doesn't mean that later in a, in a, in a second of, or third phase of it, Obviously, there are all kinds of companies that are going to have to be building these things and selling them, right? Mm -hmm. And so that'll be a multi-hundred trillion dollar industry going down the road. Uh, but at this stage, it needs to be um, more of an angel funding initiative because it's very high risk, but very high reward. Uh, and uh, I have no doubt that it could be done if we had the funding sources in place and because we could hire some of the most brilliant physicists and electromagnetic engineers and put them all in one place. Our goal would be to have a, a lab that would be live streamed so the public could see what's going on. So you couldn't shut it down. Transparent. <laughs> and then also hubs all over the world of other scientists, uh, whether it's material sciences, specialized materials, electromagnetic specialists, physicists who could then collaborate kind of like GitHub, the software entity yeah. and could collaborate. So if you had a problem, instead of taking a year to fix it, it could be fixed in two to three weeks, right? Because you can then collaborate. And of course, setting all that up, managing it, all that is expensive. You're not going to do that for, you know, we can crowdfund our documentaries for a few hundred thousand dollars, but you can't do this. So we need to find some people who can help us with that. So those two things, so, you know, um, a, help us find someone with an operational device that's not a prick. <laughs> Good luck. Or B, and or, help us find the funding to start this research lab, which with funds in place, we could then sort of acquire an existing technology if it's legit, or just build one from scratch. Because I do have a CIA, um, a CD, <laughs> It was Bedini. John Bedini was allowed to copy thousands of pages of seized patents and devices. And uh, as a way for this CIA uh, officer, Sajaki, was enticing him to join his little group. And Bedini ended up not doing that. But he, he copied all these things. And they thought it was just in paper, but he digitized it. And it's on a CD. Now, Bedini is dead. And my dear friend, Tony Craddock, passed away last year. Um, but I have a copy of that. 
Now, out of all that, which of those things work and how they work and taking them from a two-dimensional uh, design to a three-dimensional device, you need a team of people working on that. So, But we, we wouldn't be starting at zero if anyone's listening who actually has any resources. We most certainly wouldn't be starting at zero. We have a great deal of intelligence and information. Um, but, you know, I think to be able to get anything like that working, you, you need such specialized equipment and you don't want to take 20 years of tinkering around, uh, like, uh, uh, T. Henry Moray or, 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 uh, if you look at the film, the, the Floyd Sweet, they call him Sparky, you know, it, it took him forever to develop that by himself. And then he got it operational. And if you look at the lost century, you'll see this thing. It looks a little bit bigger than a cigarette pack and it could put out enough electricity to run a 300 horsepower motor so that your car, and it never had to be plugged in. Once it was turned on, it was pulling energy out of the zero point ran indefinitely. And that ended up being confiscated. He, he dropped dead suddenly because he kept it secret. Big mistake. Here's a lesson. If you have something like this, it's the hottest potato in the universe. Get it disclosed and hand it over. We'll disclose it. I mean, I'll ask every celebrity I know to disclose it on their Instagram and social media. And we'll make 20 of them so that Demi Lovato or Tom Cruise or Ariana Grande or whoever is yeah. driving around in a, in a free energy car. You can just retrofit a Tesla, take the, all those hundreds of pounds of batteries out. You'd have one of this little thing and a, a three, four hundred horsepower motor, and yeah. off it would Ooh. go. You could you could actually take the the charging thing and solder it closed. You could prove it's never being charged. <laughs> that's what you can do. So you know, and that's how you get this out, even without the cooperation of uh, CNN or Fox or the New York Times. So it just goes it goes out through social media by a bunch of celebrity influencers. And, and then, you know, how do you put that toothpaste back in the bottle? You can, it's squeezed out. So that's one of our strategies is, is that disclosing, having the technology, that's one problem. And it, it, people have had it since before Nikola Tesla, but disclosing it in a way that a billion or 2 billion people find out about it very quickly, that is another matter. And that's expensive, you know, to set up a team, a media PR, social media team. To do that properly is huge. Um, not to mention the fact that if it isn't dropped by certain key celebrities and influencers, they will uh, ban your site and just take it down. As you know, I mean, the big, the, 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 the big tech giants, you know, what everyone I know who works in both Hollywood and Silicon Valley, it's a great quote. They all talk like hippies, but act like Nazis. They're total... <laughs> They're totally fascistic. They look hip. They love lattes and driving Teslas. But when it comes right down to it, they're going to ban your free speech. They're going to take you offline. They're going to cancel your account. They're going to shadow ban you. Like we posted a, 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 on my YouTube channel once, the testimony of a man, Halleck, it's still up there. And he was disclosing how they, heck, in the old days, in the 70s, 80s, had these RF frequency chips that they were putting in people um, to do the abductions and what have you. When we released that, within a week, it had um, 680,000 views with no promotion. 
And in one day, it went from that to 6,750. They basically just chopped off digits. And that took it out of the algorithm of something popular. Now, anyone who thinks the tech companies don't do that, I've got a bri- I've got London Bridge I'll sell you this afternoon if you're that gullible. So unfortunately, that's the truth about big tech now. So that's why you need people who are very well known. You know, you need you need celebrities and famous people who they can't pull that stunt with them. I want to double back to um, a very real concern that you mentioned the last time that we spoke. Um, that I think I'm not fear mongering today. I want to go into the lo- uh, into love and into light, and there's a lot that we can do here. But you mentioned you mentioned um, the asteroid, and then you mentioned that we got assistance, thankfully which is why uh, so many of us living on the coast are still here, for instance. But then you mentioned last time also uh, with scalar technologies, hidden technologies that are out there that are faster than the speed of light. In fact, don't even have to pay attention to the speed of light right. because of the way we can, we can fold the universe. That if we don't quote, we'll use quote unquote, get our act together quickly, those uh, not little green men, but extraterrestrial beings who... I believe would like the best for us may not be able to help us. Well, they can't if we keep setting up more and more advanced systems that keep them from being able to intervene and help. So this is a, a, a big risk. I mean, I actually brought that up to General Patrick Hughes, who was the head of the Defense Intelligence Agency back over 20 years ago, that, that there's an inherent un, unrecognized risk of a group with these sort of technologies attacking ET vehicles, because mm-hmm. there are many events, both nuclear accidents that could have triggered World War III, as well as uh, asteroid and seismic events that have been mitigated in a very unseen way by uh, these extraterrestrial civilizations that really are wanting the best for humanity and the Earth, but are increasingly, frankly, fed up. Uh, just like these Pentagon people are with this covert group that's that's targeting them. Now, I mean, there's a black site. I'm no uh, man who who is a senior um, manager of it that every year knocks down two or three extraterrestrial vehicles still using these weapon systems. And that that is a really terrible thing because uh, these civilizations I tell people with all the fear mongering there is on the Internet about aliens, if they were really hostile, given what their technological advantage is and has been, they would have just shut down this this little experiment. Right. I mean, it would have just been over very quickly in a fraction of a second. Um, that's not their intent. They are, however, increasingly my information from them, uh, very upset and concerned that no one in the powers of that be in the United States or other countries have put these illegal madmen uh, on a leash because here's the other problem. To be honest yeah. with you, Michael, everyone thinks technology stands still. So everyone's fighting the last war is the expression, but there has been a technological curve, you know, from the forties and fifties and then 1954 October, we hit gravity control the anti-gravity and then it went non-linear so you figured almost 70 years after we mastered gravity control and they've continued to uh target 
and knock down and study extraterrestrial vehicles that are thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years more advanced. So with the kind of money they have, which is virtually unlimited, and the smartest scientists I've ever met who are plucked out of high school and early days of college to work on these projects, you end up with some unbelievable breakthroughs in technology on many fronts. And neither the White House nor the Congress nor the American people know about this. But this group of very sociopathic uh, bad actors have it. And that is a risk that you can't overstate how dangerous that is. Um, It's much more dangerous than the threat of Iran, China or Russia. And I have said that just what I said to you. I have said at meetings at the Senate and with members of the House and the White House military officers. What kind of technologies are we? I, I, I don't think that my brain can even crock how far ahead a technology could be because I'm rooted in here. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's always uh, <laughs> let's let's go back to what Jim Goodall said um, when he was he came up on stage during that two day conference before the National Press Club event in June. And Jim Goodall is a very famous aerospace mainstream historian and researcher. And he was one of the last people to speak to the head of the Lockheed Skunk Works, Ben Rich, alive. He was dying of cancer. The week he died, he spoke with uh, Ben Rich. And and Jim Goodall said that uh, he asked about this issue again. And, and he said, yeah, well, out in the desert, not Area 51, but the Lockheed Skunk Works, we have things that you can look at Star Trek and anything you see there, we've done it. Materialization, dematerialization, teleportation, da 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 Yeah. And another good example, honestly, is this new, very uh, badly tortured and, and uh, injured uh, military hero, uh, Stephen Digna, who came forward. And he was with the Raytheon guys and was shown these craft that were triangular shaped mm-hmm. uh, at that Irwin, Fort Irwin, California back in 2000. And he subsequently was abducted by Raytheon and the craft that came right over the tip of his car. If you look at the illustrations, but listen to what he says, I would say if, if a million people heard his account, they would think it was an extraterrestrial craft. The thing had an organic living nature. It purred. It could, it moved and reacted when you touched it. It was 100% man-made. So we're talking nanobiotechnology and at a very, very high level of trans-dimensional physics, all this. So some of these more advanced, that was 23 years ago. Some of these advanced technologies are so advanced in terms of the, the the development is way beyond a, a flying saucer from the 50s, 60s, many of which were man-made. They're reaching the point of almost being indistinguishable from an extraterrestrial vehicle. That's dangerous because the question is going to be if, if people had an encounter with that object mm-hmm. and the, the people on it and the object itself, the way it behaved and interacted, it would, I would say almost everyone on planet Earth, from the White House, the president on down, would swear that that was extraterrestrial. And it wasn't. It was Raytheon. 
So I think this is a real problem is this educational gap, which we're trying to close. The, the issue with that, and I'm acutely aware of it, 1991, I had an intelligence official came to me and he said, he said, Dr. Greer, if you tell the public the truth that you know about this, it will discredit you because the truth is much less believable than the fiction we've been selling. The, the, the truth is much less believable. It's much stranger and it's much less believable. And they're counting on that. So in the behind the curtain of all this R&D that, that Ben Rich alluded to, uh, to Jim Goodall and that Stephen Digna saw firsthand and other people on our team have seen firsthand. Because the public doesn't know about it, but worse, your, your chain of command in the military, in my country, Canada, all over the world, those people don't know about it either. We're trying to get them informed, but it, they just go, God, that can't be. We can't have something like that. We do. Like even that tic tac and those things off the coast of California, everybody's seeing the footage. When I first talked to David Fravor, who is the jet pilot who was at the hearing, he said, there's no way that's ours. I said, well, it is. It's the skunk works. And we can prove it. And, um, but he said, well, so he was a jet pilot. Well, jets are from the 30s, 40s. Rockets are from the 40s. I said, technology hasn't stood still. But if your whole world is flying an F-18 fighter jet or Hornet, you're not going to have any foundation for something that's trans-dimensional, anti-gravity, da-da-da-da-da, that's from the skunk works or for these deep black operations at, at Northrop Grumman or uh, Raytheon or any number of other places, SAIC, EG&G. So I said, the problem is, is that even your most experienced aviators and military people, they don't have any foundation for being able to understand these objects and how they move or to distinguish a man-made one from an ET one. And see, that lack of being able to distinguish between the two is where they can ram a false flag right down the middle of that, right? So again, knowledge is power. We have very little time to get everyone up to speed. But the problem is, Michael, be honest with you, because I've been doing this for 30 years, you have to take people, like when I first briefed the CI director for Mr. Clinton, he didn't know anything. He was denied access, as was Clinton. So you have to go from knowing nothing to this bizarre stuff that at the CIA, they call it WSFM. It stands for Weird Science and Frickin' Magic. In my uncle's old company, Northrop Grumman, yeah. they just call it PFM. He just said, it's just pure magic. Excuse my language. But that's what it is. Is that PFM or, or WSFM? Hey, baby. <laughs> It's there, funny that the, the language comes up and then all of a sudden here comes the magic future. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Hey, baby, how are you? How old is she? She is. Uh, she turns 16 uh, months tomorrow, don't you? Yeah, is that so? Yeah, we have 12, grand, 12 grandchildren, a few couple of them like this age. And that's got to be part of your motivation. It was always my motivation is the future and it's the children of earth, all of us, adult or children. And it's, you know, I have four children and uh, 12 grandkids. And uh, you look at, you know, most people in the world just want to have a good life and peaceful and have family and 
grow and evolve. Um, and even the ones who aren't interested in evolving, they don't want, you know, to have the world destroyed around them. And the only way it's going to happen, though, is for people to wake up and put their shoulder to the wheel. <laughs> she's adorable. Is she walking a lot? Uh, she's running. Uh, we're going to go right after this to a, uh, uh, what do you call it? A, a large playground. And she mm. just uh, will, will burn rubber across the synthetic grass. There. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of so course. Got to keep a close eye on her. I know. <laughs> My grandkids call me Papa. I'm just Papa to them. Oh. <laughs> And my wife is Muzzy. Papa and Muzzy. That's it. We got, my wife and I joke, it's the Papa and Muzzy show is what we're doing. I like that. So going back real briefly, and, and then and then I want to I, I wanna send people one more time to your website and leave on a message of hope. Um, oh, yeah. Did you, want, did you want one of these? Well, so you were talking about uh, weird uh, W.I. <laughs> the CIA, w weird science and magic. What was it? What, what did we have? WSFM, weird science and freaking magic. Yeah, WS. It sounds like a radio station in Cincinnati, but it's not. Mm -hmm. And this is the kind of technology that um, the science and tech people, you know, with the agency that are read into this and these corporates guys, they know about it and they use it all the time to trick people. It's very easy to trick people if they don't know. But see, here's the thing. If people do know, it sort of takes the teeth out of that. It's, you know, I liken this to Michael. It's like, you know, have you ever seen the wizard of Oz, that movie and the, the, you, you, the behind the curtain of the scary thing, there's this old crud mudge and a white haired man. They pull the curtain back and there he is scaring the bejeebies out of everybody. I liken the crowd who are running these technologies and scaring people about aliens and abductions and this and that. They're sort of like the Wizard of Oz and Dorothy and the Scarecrow, meaning us, we, the people, haven't yet pulled the curtain back. <laughs> so now what we all need to do is learn about this and, and, and pull the curtain back, you know, and pull the curtain back so that, you know, our leaders, but also the general public knows about it, even though it's rather strange. Yeah. But, what gives you the greatest hope right now? I think the greatest hope is the, the people who are surfacing all over the world in all walks of life, government, private, military folks, special forces, people, people in the Congress, all coming together around resolving this and who increasingly understand the whole big picture that I've described in the last hour and a half for your folks. So I, I think that's very hopeful. And I, I think that the other thing I think that's very hopeful are the number of people who understand, uh, and this was the purpose of us releasing this summer while all this disclosure activity is going on. Part of the reason for the secrecy, but also what a beautiful world. If you look at, you know, what we did towards the end of the film of the lost century, and we show the world 20 years from now, 50 years, a hundred years, a thousand years, it just becomes this paradise. Because in, in really in one generation, we could end poverty, all pollution, and the damage that's been done to the earth, we could um, reverse a lot of it, if not most of it. So to me, that's a message of great hope. So on the one hand, we're going to be in very bad shape if we stay on the path we're on. 
But if we can make this course correction, bring the technologies out, make peaceful contact with the ETs, which everyone can do if you get the CE5 contact app at your app store, with Google or iPhone, um, you can learn how to be an ambassador to these civilizations. And now we have millions of people doing that. And so that creates a, a force fielding non-local consciousness in the conscious field to support the thinking because we're all, all of us are wired into this great mind, the great spirits. And the more that humans begin to move in a positive direction, mm-hmm. it affects it's called that Maharishi effect, but it affects everyone that you don't even know them, but it still moves their consciousness and their thinking in a positive direction. So that's the power of meditation, prayer, doing CE5 contact, create sort of a morphogenic field, as Rupert Sheldrake talks about, that actually affects everyone in your area and in the world that you may not know. So that's the other thing everyone can do. And I think it's a very positive trend. What we're seeing now is that we have just more and more people doing CE5 all over the world. At the same time, we're working to have this disclosure happen in a safe way. And, and keep it on track so it doesn't go in the direction of Alien Invasion Week on the History Channel or something. And and so I think those are all very positive trends. It's it's what it's why I'm working seven days a week now. Thank you. A quick question, then I want to know where where people can go to to find everything right now. There, there's this term. It, it's interesting. It's term of control, and I never realized it was a term in control until I'm speaking to you right now. The 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 term is. Um, skeptic. Well, I'm, I'm a natural skeptic or I'm a scientist. So then I've been trained to be a skeptic. Good. I am too. What, what does that term mean to you? And how do we, how do we go past the skepticism that's been indoctrinated in us? Well, skepticism is different from denial. So in other words, a true, a true scientist actually wants to know the truth and they're going to follow the facts and the evidence where it takes them even if it runs counter to their indoctrination, education, prejudices. Mm -hmm. So to be a dispassionate seeker of the truth is to be a scientist. Um, And a true scientist is not going to deny the facts because they don't comport with their understanding of the universe. And this is a big problem because uh, if you are a skeptic, I'm a skeptic. If you listen to me, there's about 90% of everything out there on this subject that I'm deeply skeptical of in terms of its origin. What most people think is alien, I know to be counterintelligence human operations. So it's you have to be skeptical, but it doesn't mean that you're closed minded. Now, what normally happens, people say I'm skeptical because I'm a scientist. And that's a, a, a really a cop out. It, it's really a way of them saying, I don't think this can be true. And if it is true, I should know about it because I'm so important. Right. When in, when that's not scientific. A true scientist, and look, we have put enough facts and evidence out to make this a, a bulletproof case. But if someone doesn't look at the facts, they don't look at the testimony, they don't look at the government documents, they don't look at the photos, the videos, the landing trace elements, the radar cases. If you just take all of that and say none of this exists, I'm a skeptic and I'm a scientist, you're just using skepticism and scientific credentials as a way of being in denial. So I make a big difference between valid skepticism and closed-minded denial. 
Thank you. I just you just triggered one last thing here. What's being put out by the Pentagon right now? There's a website that just went live, I believe, as of yesterday. The head of that arrow office that I've been, you know, very much involved with bringing top secret whistleblowers through that system. Um, Sean Kirkpatrick is in a bit of trouble. And the reason he's being now it's been kicked up to the deputy secretary of defense. Uh, a woman who is one of the highest ranking people in the Pentagon um, because he has not put forward to the public or to the members of Congress, the full scope of the evidence and testimony Mm -hmm. he's collected. And uh, this is why uh, Senator Warner and Senator Rubio, the chair and co-chair of the Senate intelligence committee wrote a rather reprimanding letter to him not long ago, because we sort of blew the whistle on that. Uh, and said, look, we know for a fact there are people who've gone in there who testified to the extraterrestrial material and this and that. And then he's denied all that to the public. So the Pentagon, I think the reason why the members of the House want to have an open hearing is because the Pentagon at the Arrow office, which was set up and funded by Congress to do be a truthful investigation, has started getting involved in covering things up again. And so they're, they have a big problem with that. So the site that they put up, if you look at it, it doesn't include any of the uh, documents and evidence that I know has been sent in there. And I will tell everyone listening very carefully. We sent to that office the entire one or two terabytes of top secret witness testimony, documents and evidence that we have. Um, right before our national press club event in June. They have it. It's the unredacted one, meaning all the names are in there, mm-hmm. all the locations, all the black sites, everything. So when they tell the public, we don't have any evidence for this, this, and this, that is a bold-faced lie. Where can people go, Stephen, to find out more, to find everything, and that website that then can help them to help everyone? Yeah, you can go to drstephengreer.com or seriousdisclosure.com. They go to the same site. Um, and it's S-I-R-I-U-S disclosure.com. And you can see the Lost Century on Amazon or any of the sites, uh, Google or uh, Apple, iTunes. You can see the film. Go to our site. You can learn about everything we're doing. And go to our YouTube channel. We have something like 70 top secret military personnel's testimony up there already. Beautiful. So that's how you can get educated and spread the word. Help us out. And I'll put all the links down below so we can drive people right over there as well. Thank you for your help. Thank you so much, Stephen. Any last words you want to share with people? Well, I think my last words would be if we all work together, we're going to make it across this uh, big chasm uh, that we're facing as a civilization. Uh, It's going to be a lot of work, but when we get there, we're going to have a new world, as the ET said to Colonel Corso. So it's a new world, and it's time for us to accept it. Thank you so much, Stephen. So for everyone out there, this is Michael Sandler saying, be well, have fun, take your action today so that we can usher in a brave new world, a beautiful new world today, and above and beyond all else, shine bright. Woohoo!
This had to be one of the most important shows that I have ever done. I highly encourage you to take action. You can click on the links below there. Of course, you can check out the next amazing show and Dr. Stephen Greer interview there as well. Love you guys so, so much. Keep on shining bright. Big thumbs up if you like this. Share, share, share. Let's get this out to the world and above and beyond all else, shine bright. Woohoo! How does it get any better than this? Take action. There's a link. There's a link. Share, like, you can do this.